Hello, my amazing and supportive All Things Montessori community. Wow, I was just reflecting as I was editing this week's podcast that it is our two-year anniversary this month of All Things Montessori. I truly can't believe that it started two years ago. Um, Well, it actually started like two and a half years ago because Jamie and I (laughs) recorded without... Um, without releasing anything for a long time until we felt like we were, we were ready. But um, wow, it's just been an amazing journey over two years. And I can't thank you guys enough for, for being here for it. You know, we've been putting a lot into this podcast. And now that, you know, I'm, I'm doing most of it uh, solo, which has been great. It's just, I'm so, I'm so grateful for the support of this community I've been feeling a little all over the place uh, this month because my husband and I just relocated to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I mean, I'm so happy to be here, but the change has just completely uh, washed over me in a lot of overwhelming ways. And so knowing that this community is strong and rooted and still listening has been a real sense of comfort over this month. So just thank you. Thank you guys so much. I really just, from the bottom of my heart, um, I love this community. I love making this podcast. I love putting this out there in the world because when I was a teacher in the classroom, I felt really, um, I I felt alone. I I felt like I didn't really have anyone to turn to at times. Um, And even though I did have people to turn to, it felt pretty isolating. So I just am so grateful. I'm so excited about this episode today. I have Kim Smith with me. Kim Smith is an amazing human being. She is the founder of Learning Beautiful, which is a Montessori company that makes computer science materials, but get this, they don't use technology to make them. It's such a fun interview to talk about this part of Montessori that's really new and something that I don't know a lot about, so I really hope you enjoy it. This episode is brought to you by all of our patrons. Thank you all again for being patrons. I really am so grateful to have that community to help me create the podcast. Even though podcasting seems like it should be something that you do that doesn't cost any money, it does. There's equipment, there's subscriptions, there's all these sorts of things that I need to pay for. So anything that is contributed just like really, really helps me make this podcast possible. If you want to become a patron, you can just follow the link below or you can head on over to patreon.com. It's super easy. There are three tiers that you can join. Um, and again, it's a pandemic. It's a lot. If you can't donate anything, it's not a big deal. Like it's whatever. I just really, I appreciate any donation and, um, thank you guys so much. And of course this episode is brought to you by Sapling Supply, two Montessori dads making Montessori furniture. How wholesome is that? They're also the coolest guys. I had a great episode interviewing both of them. It was so fun to talk to them about it. So you can check out that episode and also check out Sapling Supply and you can get 10% off using our promo code ATM10 if you're looking to outfit your Montessori at home environment. Perhaps you need something for the classroom, anything, go check it out. It's fantastic. And without further ado, I really hope you enjoy this episode with Kim Smith, all about learning beautiful. Beautiful. 
Well, I'm so delighted today to have a friend with me from across the country out in Portland, Oregon. Um, but we're, of course, recording virtually. I have Kim Smith here. She's the founder of Learning Beautiful, uh, which is an amazing material making company that makes computer science Montessori materials without using technology, which seems just absolutely impossible and amazing to me, but I'm so excited to have her here. Kim, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. So thank you so much. Yeah, of course. So it's my favorite question that I get to ask everybody that comes on the podcast. Um, what is your yeah. Montessori story? What brought you to the wonderful <laughs> world of Montessori? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, it's kind of odd to say, but I think I was a bit late um, to... <laughs> To come to the Montessori scene. And um, my first exposure really wasn't until I was at MIT and I was a researcher there and then later did a master's program. But we were investigating, uh, you know, some research into early childhood education and trying to create new models for, um, for reaching children to that age, primarily through new school systems. And so we were doing a bunch of research and our PI was very excited about Montessori and was kind of taking upon himself to research what he wanted to do as a father and the gifts he wanted to give his child. And um, Dr. Montessori's work became really influential for that, for that process. And so, you know, we were in this lab group and we we're trying to create you know, different kind of approaches for, for education. And so Montessori became a huge part of what we were learning. And we brought in Montessori experts who um, <laughs> led little workshops with us. And we pretty much treated it like Montessori school for adults. And um, <laughs> we started our first school. And then I, I spent a year in that classroom. And it was really intense and exciting for me. But that was my time to understand how the environment was set up, the role of the teachers in that space but also how the children came to and experienced learning. Mm. So coming to it later, I mean, I came to it later too. I didn't know what Montessori was till I was like 26. Mm -hmm. um, wasn't it kind of, isn't it kind of crazy that you don't know about it? And once you know about it, you're like, what? <laughs> Yeah, it really is. And I, you know, I am very happy and grateful for my childhood, but I had such I a different education system, like very, you know, traditional in so many ways. And so for me, it was really just unlocking some things that felt so obvious in a lot of ways um, and also empowering. And I was just really excited about it. And it really influenced a lot of the way um, I think about learning as an adult sure. as well. Oh, yeah. When you said Montessori School for Adults, I completely understand that because I think I relearned so many basic things that I didn't know or never really fully understood. Uh, like long division is my favorite example. I truly didn't know how it worked until I worked with the Montessori material yeah. accent tubes and it completely blew my mind. Um, yeah, and it's, so cool. it's such a cool foundational learning, you know, you really get yeah. the bare bones of it. That is so interesting. So when you were in the classroom, a Montessori classroom, what age group were you working with? Yeah, so this was three to six, um, but all of the children were three or four to start. <laughs> and there was a group of um, 10. And those were our first uh, children and families. And they were amazing. I, you know, I had experience teaching um you know, some college and high school and junior high. So, but this was like a whole nother world for me. Oh, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Three and four year olds. Yeah. It's 
it's all their world and we're just living in it basically. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So to talk about your amazing company, I would love to know how Learning Beautiful came about. So how did we get to computer science Montessori materials? Right. That's a great question. Um, well, I think, you know, in, in general, I've been really blessed with just kind of stumbling upon great things as I go. And I think that, um, you know, I've always sort of had a direction and a passion and then kept kind of an open mind about where that could lead and, and the changes that could come up on that path. And it's kind of a Montessori idea, but all that to say, you know, I was, um, I finished my MFA. I was in New York and I ended up getting a position at the MIT Media Lab, kind of as a, an artist in this lab to work with Sepp Kambar, who's the founder of Wildflower Schools. Right. And, you know, started up this new lab and um, I was one of the first members and I ended up moving moving there to, to work in the Media Lab um, doing art projects. And, right. um, you know, I had done some work in education and was interested in that. And as a group, we started to look into small scale interventions that we could do kind of in the community level, but that could be replicated in order to affect large scale change. So for example, this would be um, small scale agriculture or small scale um, education practices or transportation, things that feel small, but because they exist in that community level can be replicated and have big change. And so we were, you know, working on the the education, early childhood. And the reason we really did it was because Sep had a a (laughs) three-year-old and he couldn't find a school for him. And so I think that was kind of the great idea um, in my time there, you know, moving away from being in such a different environment in fine art to coming somewhere where people were um, using tools and technology and were actually incredibly creative. And I mean, in the sense that they would envision something that they wanted to exist and then they would kind of make it and go out and do it. And there was just a real excitement to be had. And you kind of get a little bit um, excited about it and it's contagious. And um, so we started this school and uh, my co-founder, who was amazing, Jonathan Cohen, his background is in architecture. And so we came from this design standpoint and, um, you know, and after spending a year in the classroom, we're just like, wow, like this is amazing. All of it is amazing. This whole system complete and together, but also seeing the design aspects of the materials and how beautiful they were, but also just the um, sophistication in their design, their, you know, lack of clutter and extraneous details, their simplicity. And there was just a kind of um, wholeness to them that we really appreciated. And, you know, it was a really simple idea. We just thought, well, this is like this older pedagogy that's um, from a certain time. And, you know, Dr. Montessori, we're like, you know, getting very deep into this space and understanding her approach as a scientist to responding to the world around her. And I just thought, you know, what can we... um, what can we contribute here that has changed? And we made all sorts of materials. We'd have these hackathons and bring in um, all sorts of Montessori people and and other people. And, you know, we had a a machine shop so we could put together things really quickly um, and make these materials and then put them in the classroom. Um, And so that's when we started playing around with the idea. You know, as, as I'm sure your time in the classroom showed you, there is such a dynamic, um, 
I don't really know the right word. The Montessori classroom is so unique and the materials are so unique because the design is so precise. The design matters so much. Like every single, they're, they're all scientifically correct. They're precise. They're minimal. They're beautiful. Like it's, I was really blown away as like a student when I started studying Montessori at how important that was. Right. You know, and it really does make a difference. And it's completely translated into my life now, but everything really matters where you put it in the classroom, how it's done, how it's cleaned, how it's, you know, it's all about like that respect and that, yes, you're three years old, but I respect your education enough that I want you to work with this beautiful material that you could break. And it's, but it's still that beautiful respect. So that is so fascinating. So what was the first material that you, guys made or that you were sort of excited to to get out there yeah I remember one day we had a hackathon and we made like 10 um (laughs) and I think I made something about the color wheel and these discs that aligned um I think there was a physics one with a fulcrum points and there was a couple computer science ones I think one of the early ones was the binary tree and that's so beautiful too Yeah. And then we kind of just threw them in the classroom um, because by then we had started these schools and we had um, at least one. And then shortly after that, another one. Um, And so they were set up as lab schools and they would would test them out. So I think those are some of our first ones um, that I can remember. But there was a lot. Some were terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Maria Montessori herself was always that's what she was doing. Like her schools were. Yes basically a lab school because she's testing stuff out um and a part of testing that out is some of it doesn't work yeah yeah you have to be like humble enough to recognize it too and there's lots of we know we kind of identified where those points of failure were like the child interested in it it's too complicated it's not scaffolded the teacher's like I don't understand this (laughs) you know there's all (laughs) All kinds of components so yeah Yeah. so um what kind of responses we can talk about the positive ones um (laughs) or whatever what kind of responses did you get from the children with these materials yeah you know they're and then um, after we kind of played around really high level, um, that's when we decided to zero in a little bit more on computer science. Yeah. Um, that's when we started to make, you know, our cardboard prototypes now had like wood and things like that. And yeah, that's kind of an interesting point, too, because sort of the level of completion and the um integrity of the physical aspects of the materials really matter. So it's, yeah. it was kind of hard to have prototypes that weren't perfect, if that makes sense. No, it definitely does. It's, it's yeah. a little, um, what's the right word? It's vulnerable. Like you're putting something up. Yeah. That's not yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. And if there's any kind of like technical failures or design things, you know, that's where you can drop off or lose the children. But, right. um, you know, it was actually really cool. They were, they responded really, really well to it. And, um, Love that. you know, some more than others and the ones that they responded to more, um, and were really deeply engaged with, and the teachers were excited about, those were the ones we cultivated a bit more mm. and they went through, you know, hundreds of iterations or, or whatever. And we would, you know, I, I kind of spent a lot of time of observing and what that means too, because, you know, we were coming from it too, where people kept saying like, you know, we want to monitor the engagement and there was another project in our lab that was trying to do that 
And just simply watching and observing was really fascinating because you start to understand uh, what does that mean to like create something that actually takes a child on a path where they're captivated and they're learning something. And, and that's not always obvious and it looks different for every child. Sure. And so it's just a matter of taking these notes and, and understanding where we could come in to make any kind of change to help facilitate that process, whether it's like, you know, this piece needs to be a little bit smaller so it fits into the hand better, or, you know, these pieces aren't fitting in the correct way, or, you know, how can we simplify this? So we're actually breaking down the steps even more. Wow. Yeah. And knowing that it's okay to fail and being able to observe and then change it. It's such a simple thing, but that was one of the hardest things for me as a teacher. It's also one of the hardest things for me as a, a person, like, you know, putting yourself out there, really trying something and then, you know, it's just not quite right, but having the, you know, the courage and faith in yourself that you could do it. Um, yeah. that's so interesting. And I love that you brought up observation because that's how we learn anything, especially in Montessori is just watching like, is like the detail you say about it not fitting in the hand correctly, or, you know, they're not responding to it because it's too big or it's too clumsy or who knows, or, or it should be this color instead of this color. That is so important. And, um, Mm -hmm. I love the care that goes into that because that means that when it does work, it will facilitate learning because Montessori materials, they're so fascinating, but it's not like you give a child the material and then they're learning it right there. Like it's a, it's like, it's a pathway, exactly what you said. Like it's going to get them there. We don't know when. So it's right. such a hard thing to yeah. gauge, but observation is that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Wow. That's such a beautiful concept. Oh, that's so cool. So where is learning beautiful now? Do you, um, how many materials do you guys have? Like what's, what's going on with it right now? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So we spun out as a company in 2017. Okay. So this was, um, then my master's research and that just meant, um, getting very specific about what the curriculum was. So we spent that time that kind of R and D to work with computer scientists to figure out how we were going to define that curriculum. And I think, um, that's something that I'm actually spending a bit of time on now is for developing new materials. So I think of the ones that we have now, there's, um, Oh, I don't know, like (laughs) 10 ish, (laughs) Um, you know, that are the first um, foundations in this series of our lot. Like if I think about some of the sections in Montessori there, I mean, there are a lot of materials, but 10 is a good chunk. That's pretty, that's. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy how much work goes into each one, you know, (laughs) and how long their lifespans are. It's just. Yeah, it's um, yeah. It, it is it is hard, and it's an interesting thing to really slow down and take the time that something needs, and you know that again, just always seeing that Montessori process throughout this whole endeavor. Um, so yeah, you know, we we launched, and the, really the reason we did was because we started to get a lot of teachers who were like, hey, these are really cool. Can we have these for our classrooms? And we were kind of like, oh, okay. You know, and um, our first big customer was Chicago Public Library, which was super exciting. So that was a really crazy time. It was like my last semester and I was building them all myself in the, in the wood shop, like pulling all nighters, sanding and, um, Yeah. And, and, you know, they broke and, (laughs) (laughs) um, but that was really great because, um, you know, expanding 
you know, unexpectedly into the public libraries was really cool because mm. it was trying to understand what are those connections from the Montessori classroom, which are so specific. And so, um, you know, the interaction is very much um, controlled and you don't have that in the same way. And so we were, that's when we started to develop um, children's books that accompany the materials and, and those ended up being really popular in the wow. Montessori classroom. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's been kind of our first, um, you know, introduction into getting into these spaces. And so we're in, you know, probably over around a hundred schools and public libraries wow. um, country and also some abroad. And um, so it's been really exciting, I think, because that first kind of like what you described or you were asking about when you first put those materials in the classroom and, um, you know, some worked out and some didn't. Um, at this point, you know, I was still a little uncertain that they were actually going to work. Um, and then when they did, and then when they resonated so strongly with teachers and with children, um, and that they were all very excited about it, it was just really, yeah, it was the greatest feeling ever. Oh, I bet. Oh, that's so cool. And so much work goes into this and you're literally making them like, and then, right, right. And of course I don't make them anymore, thankfully. Right. So they don't but fall it, apart. But at first, you know, <laughs> that's so much of you, you know, and then to see somebody positively respond to it. That is so, that's so cool. So is it just designed for primary or is it going into elementary classrooms yet? Going into elementary as well. I mean, wow. you know, we think about like what, you know, and this is kind of a big question and something that was so inspiring about Montessori is like, how do you lay the foundation for future skills and things that you layer on and that you understand later and, you know, kind of come to maybe um, in middle school, high school as an adult and realize that you already sort of have that yeah. sensorial framework in your mind. Um, and so it was just kind of looking at how we break down things like language and reading and writing and math, but we don't have the same for some of these other skills like computational thinking. Yeah. And so part of that is how can we build that foundation, but also have some sort of bridge that gets us a little bit further. So I think we have these interesting um, materials that have been very successful in three to six. And sort of the goal with a lot of these materials, like the Montessori materials, is that they can exist also in the lower elementary. Um, but, you know, the interaction changes. We layer on more complexity. We adopt more language to associate with the concepts. And, um, and so it's trying to find those materials that can progress with the child and can also exist in lower elementary. But I will say the next materials we're hoping to launch soon um, are a great fit for six to nine. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because I just think of um, well, my experiences with elementary. So that's why I ask. But, um, you know, they're so curious about yeah. everything and they can really take some information and critically think about it in the way that, you know, a child in the first plane of de development, yeah. they're just not there yet. And so I think that's so cool. And, and I remember in my own experience, I, we had a computer in the classroom, but it was like one computer tucked away. We literally never used it. Yeah. But it would have been so nice to have something to explain why that computer is there. Why? Yeah. Like the why, you know, because I think they just wanted to look at it and touch it and type and stuff, but it, yeah. understand why we use these machines, why they're important, how they work that they use the right. language, yeah. like that's so cool. You know, it so is. I just, I, I think that is super applicable to the elementary age. And I love that 
that it's going in there too. Because I know that stuff sticks with them. I remember there's um, the pink tower in the primary classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is the same as the cubing material in the elementary classroom. And I'll never forget the day two of my nine-year-olds figured that out. And I just thought they were going to explode because they'd been in Montessori since they were like two and a half working with the pink tower and then transitioning all the way to working with cubing. And then they were like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) You see the connections. Yeah, Yeah. just seeing that like, and it was just about, you know, the materials looked the same and they kind of put it together. And, and, but that is so meaningful because then you start to understand and see the world in those specific ways. And you, you know, that everything has a deeper meaning. So that is awesome. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's really the hope here is that we can break something down so that it's no longer this mysterious black box, but that we understand the concepts behind it. And so much what we see with computer science education today is just facilitating children to be like really good at using computers. (laughs) And they, they already are, you know, they're digital natives. They got it. (laughs) Computers are not hard to use. Like that's the thing I get. It kills me. I'm like, make it easier every day. Every day they get easier, especially with like iPads and iPhone. I mean, they're designed to be user friendly. Right. Like that's their purpose. (laughs) Right. And and that's, you know, almost like a a fault because you end up um, not maybe understanding exactly what those concepts are that enable it to do the things that you want it to do. And I think the hope here is that knowing that technology is such a huge part of our lives and a powerful tool, you know, we don't necessarily want all of our young children, uh, you know, coding on an iPad when they're four years old. What we want is for them to understand some big ideas that can be applied to the specific hardware that we have, but can also be used to create new systems that haven't even been developed yet. So if we really want to think about them being, you know, powerful contributors in the future rather than just good at, you know, doing these simple things, then, um, it's really about that framework. That's so meaningful too. And that, that's, that's really, you know, the, a lot of the stuff with Montessori, it's a jumping off point. It's a, how do we get you to a deeper level of this rather than just teaching you what you need to know? Right. That's fantastic. Oh, cool. Um, well, I will link all this stuff to learning beautiful below in the show notes, but is there anywhere else they can find our listeners can find learning beautiful? Yeah, I think the website's a great place to start. Um, there's also a bunch of free activities we started doing during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. We call them learning at home and, um, we release some less frequently now, but they're just fun. Um, Montessori inspired activities that you can do with things you have at home. You don't need anything. You don't have to buy anything, um, wow. but try to take those concepts and, and make it physical. Oh, I love that. Well, this has been so fun to talk about, you know, this amazing new, new space in Montessori. I, I really think that if Maria Montessori was here today, she would have totally been creating computer science materials. I really do because she, yeah, I hope so. she <laughs> took a look at the world around her and she brought it to the classroom. That was like what she did. She did it so well. So I just think it's so exciting and so cool. And so glad we got to chat about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for being interested in it. Oh yeah, totally. 